your eyes to the skies. It's time for Spaced Out on 95 PFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium. Hello, Josh. You there? Yeah, what up? How's it going? It's good. It's good. Just easing into this Tuesday afternoon. And uh, have you recovered? Are you making a sufficient recovery from the school holidays? They've obviously wrapped up. <laughs> yeah, no, slowly recovering. I'm straight back to school, though, so it's uh, not as chaotic, but, um, yeah, just as many kids. Just regular school groups coming through for a special treat yeah. heading along to the Stardome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, nice one. Um, now, what's what's on the cards as far as space news? Are we, are we talking about... This enormous rocket. Actually, I've got some audio. See if this. Actually, I'll turn that down. Um, the Chinese have launched um, a, a module from their space station into into orbit, and they have uh, they're taking a careless approach to the rocket itself. It's uh, potentially going to fall back to Earth, and who knows where it's going to land? Is that the case? Are you reading that from the article? <laughs> <laughs> No, I was actually just, that was off the top of my head. I was just trying to find, top, yeah. find a link to the article of the spaceship got blasting into space. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, so China, they, they launched their module to their Tiangong space station, um, which I think was kind of, the, you know, the positive part of the story was just, you know, the continued construction of this module, which mm-hmm. was for science. Um, so that launch and it stopped with the station and the astronauts have picked it out. It looks pretty nice and fresh. Um yeah, it's the same. Um, it's the same story that we had last year when, you know, there was that whole thing in the media of that uncontrolled Chinese rockets going to fall somewhere. You know, mm. Auckland's in the firing line. Um, it's the exact same rocket that they've used for this module to actually send it up into space. Yes. So there's now, you know, another you know big spin rocket stage up there, which these things are quite big. Um, is it like a Saturn V? Is it like the big NASA rocket? Is it enormous? Um, yeah, oh, it's not as big as like a Saturn V. I mean, they, they weigh several tons. I think this one is, you know, maybe 20, 30 metres, just the actual stage. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty sizable and, you know, they are big pieces. Um, no one ever is like a Saturn V. Okay. But yeah, I think it's just the, it's the unpredictability that kind of freaks people out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see if we can hear this. There's a great video that you can hear right now of this rocket launching into space. It's quite nicely shot. It's a great, it's a really awesome looking rocket. It's quite powerful. Mm-hmm. It's one of their, um, it is their most powerful operational rocket in China. So, yes. you know, that, that's the one that they use to launch these big modules. But, um, yeah, I think it's been kind of interesting. I was reading articles about it, and there's, you know, I think a lot of Western media takes the instant spin of, oh, you know, China's being reckless, and, you know, they're putting these spent rocket stages in space. Um, when, you know, space agencies all around the world do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of kind of political play behind a lot of it. Okay. All right. I need to be careful with what I read yeah. on space.com. <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's an American website, too, so I have to be quite. Have to be quite, um, you know, grand of take it with a pinch of salt. That one. But, yeah. Do you know what sort of yeah. science the, they're planning to do on on their space station? Um, I wouldn't know the specifics. China's a bit hush hush about specific things that they do up there, but that, this one is for specifically for life in space. So it's probably a lot of biology and chemistry experiments. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it probably has a lot to do with kind of long duration effects of 
uh, being in space people, essentially. So that's probably their main focus. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, the U.S. are still cooperating with the Russians uh, on the ISS. Uh, For the first time since 2002, a cosmonaut is going to rip up to the ISS with a crew of American astronauts. Yeah, I, this was kind of, I think I was genuinely surprised by this, but um, Russia had always planned to send a one of their astronauts on American spacecraft to space, and they were going to swap one of their astronauts, so America would send an American one on the Russian spacecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like an exchange, you know, goodwill program, and that was all planned, you know, obviously before the invasion of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was kind of up in the air, but yeah, SpaceX and NASA said, no, yep, that's going to happen. We're going to have a Russian cosmonaut. She's going to be flying um, later this year with an American crew. So, I think it's it's a you know it's a pretty nice symbol to see it actually going ahead, as opposed to you know a lot of the ground politics that we see down here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, how what's the what is the makeup of the crew on the ISS at present? Like, how many Russians? How many Americans? How many? Yeah, there, so there's seven people on the station at the moment, the, the International Space Station. There's three cosmonauts, so three Russians. Uh, I think there's three Americans, and there's a European astronaut up there too, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's always a mixed bag. It's never just one country's up there. Um, but, yeah, I think it's also, you know, for years before America could actually go to space, before they had that Dragon capsule with SpaceX, they were relying on those Russian Soyuz spacecraft to get mm-hmm. to space after they retired the shuttle. Um, so I think they kind of realise that they actually do need to kind of, um, you know, reciprocate the gesture and actually take up Russian astronauts on their spacecraft mm-hmm. because, you know, Russia did it for a decade. Yes. Um, but I think it's a nice gesture because um, there was a few weird things up on the, the station a lot in the last few weeks. This kind of uh, very strange um, propaganda things that some of the astronauts were taking photos with, and it was. It was quite political, but I think a lot of people have realised that, you know, the astronauts often just are really doing what they're told. It's not really, um, you know, often they're not up there going, you know, I agree with politicians on ground. So, mm. it's yeah, it's a weird situation, but I think it's, it's definitely a step in the right direction for the crew up there. Are there parts of the space station that Russians can only operate? Is it is there like a Russian capture like pod or something? Um, well, yeah, they, they have sections. So there's different modules which are Russian. So they have the Russian and the American segment of the station. They are joined. Um, so they're, they're not blocked off from each other. It's not like they're you know, barred from entering one or the other. Um, but typically the Americans will do their stuff on their side and Russians will do their experiments on their side. Um, but they're both all connected. So they're not you know, shut off from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of also rely on each other. So... You know, the American um, part of the station, that does life support systems, so, you know, yes. oxygen and all that stuff, whereas the Russian segment does navigation and, you know, orbital control. Okay. Um, and they, they actually kind of designed it that way. So they've kind of always been integrated from the start. So it's not like, you know, Russia can be like, well, you know, screw this, we're going to leave and then just, you know, shoot off with their own segment. They mm-hmm. can't do that, basically. So they've kind of built in this fail-safe of, like, we have to cooperate up yeah. here, otherwise it's just not going to work. Okay, nice one. Now, NASA were planning to to send a rover to the moon to go down to the pole and look for water. Uh, is a bit of a delay on this mission? Yeah, NASA's got um they've got a rover called Viper. So this was one of the rovers they were going to send before the Artemis astronauts um, when we actually sent people, and they were going to be scouting basically for water, um, and they've delayed that by about a year, which is a pretty significant amount. Um, 
not surprising, I think, because they also delayed the human landings to 2025. Mm-hmm. So I think they've just simply pushed out the rover to closer, you know, kind of align with that. Um, so it's not a huge deal, but it just means, yeah, we're going to have to be waiting another year to get that, that moon rover on the South Pole. Is this another big rover, like the size of a car, going down and looking for water? It's in the probably, it's definitely not like a big Mars. I think it's closer to the size of like a golf car. Mm-hmm. So, like, sizable, um, but yeah, definitely not as big as like the Mars rovers. But um, yeah, they, they have to build these moon rovers. It's actually a lot harsher often than Mars because. Um, the moon gets, you know, horrendous temperature swings. In the day, it's extremely hot, and then at night, it's, you know, frigid. Whereas Mars is much, you know, it's still cold, but it's much more um, climatized than, mm-hmm. than the moon. So they've got to build these really rigid things. Um, so I think they're also just planning that, you know, if it if it doesn't work or if it breaks, they want it to work closer to the human missions than opposed to, you know, like a year out. So. Okay. Do you know what sort of tech it's got on board for finding water? Does it have like a little stick or something for divining and, and i think it will have a drill because a lot of the water on the moon we think is actually under the ground or frozen mm-hmm. um so yeah it probably will be drilling into the ground we don't have the exact um specs on the technology yet but yeah it'll definitely have some type of drill to get into the ground okay and uh europe has officially ended its cooperation with russia on their mars rover yeah this is another kind of <laughs> this is one that i think is more frustrating another mars rover delay um, so this is the European rover. So they were actually meant to launch um, with Russia in September this year, so just in a few months. Um, and this is Europe's first rover. And basically the rover was being carried to Mars on a Russian landing platform. Mm-hmm. So the rover can't actually land without this platform. Um, and that was obviously put on hold during the invasion of Ukraine. But now they've basically just said we've completely cancelled it. We're ending all cooperation. So now you know Europe's left with this complete rover and they have no way of getting it to Mars mm-hmm. so you know they're either going to have to source another partner they're going to have to ask someone else the United States or NASA um, but that's adding like six seven years onto the mission mm-hmm. so that means that we're probably not even going to see this rover get to Mars until late this decade which is which is a real shame I think mm. bugger all right hey um what's happening at the Stardome Josh that we need to know about um, well, no more school holidays, thank goodness. Um, but no, we've got our shows, um, The Navigators, our new show, which is still going really well. So there's some really nice feedback about that, about navigation. Um, and we've got our two premieres this weekend, actually, for the film festival films. Uh, we've got Bus 99, um, which will be screening here at Stardom exclusively, which is quite cool. Um, yeah, so people can book into those on our website. Okay. All right, um, Josh from the Stardom, thank you very much, and we'll check in in a fortnight's time. All right, speak to you then. Bye. Control, we are docked. That was spaced out on 95 BFM, thanks to the Stardom Observatory and Planetarium.